Blog Talk Radio. Is it going to be the short version of Seal or the long version? Because I can never tell. I want to welcome everybody to Five Time. I have John Sullivan from Fredericksburg Paranormal hanging on the line. Um, just one announcement that I'm going to make for all of the upcoming events within the paranormal realm. Go to John Stevens' Virginia Paranormal Events page because that's where you're going to find everything that you need to know about what events are coming up. Um, And also he has a website, which is even better because when he can't get to the Facebook part of stuff, he has somebody that does his website. So that's www.virginiaparanormalevents.com. So without further ado, let me unmute John Sullivan. How are you? How are y'all doing? (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I just ate dinner, so I'm good now. <laughs> I ate that a few hours ago, so I'm good to go. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. let's talk about paranormal and Bellgrove, because we still want to go there. I want you to go there. Um, Bellgrove is an awesome place. I mean, it's my second home. I've been there okay. see Friday, Sunday, Monday, three of the last four nights I've been there. And it's so exciting. I can't wait for you guys to come on. Yeah, John Stevens asked me about it. Um, an echo. I just don't know where it's coming from. It's so annoying. Yeah, I don't know either. i got my mic left. So. Yeah, I've got, and I don't, let me, let me just see. Let me try that. I'm wondering, can let me ask y'all something because I muted some stuff on my end. Can y'all hear us on Facebook? John Stevens, can you like type in if you can hear us or not? I just I just muted my mic on. Can you hear me? Barely. Okay, barely. I um let me cut it up. I muted my mic on Streamyard, so that oh he can't hear me. Okay. Damn it. All right, hold on. on my phone, yeah. Okay. 
but they can't hear me on Facebook. Let me unmute mine. All right, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. But yeah, I was gonna say it's I don't know what is causing the echo, but it's annoying as hell. So anyway, I, we'll just do the best. Do y'all hear an echo over there? Because I hear it. Yeah, see, David. Yeah, David Flowers is saying he hears the echo too. I don't know why it does that. You see my evil eye, right? <laughs> Dang it. I know, but I hate technical difficulties. So anyway, John Stevens, myself, David Flower says it's not too bad. We want to come to Belgrove. We just got to figure out what day in January that we're coming. And I think John Stevens said that he was going to be out of town one of those days in January. Yeah. Oh, Ryan said he wanted to come too. <laughs> what are we going to make it a family event? Yeah, John Savage said he wanted to go too. So now we have all these. All we have, we're going to have to just make it one big. We'll have to figure out what day in January, or even February for that matter. Yeah, are you? Where are you? You're on your iPad, right? Because something is breaking up. Yeah, it's just breaking up. Is it breaking up? I'm assuming that it's breaking up on my on the live feed too. Can can y'all? Is it breaking up on live feed, y'all? Because I can't. On my end, it sounds clear. On the phone, it's staticky. How is it on Facebook? Okay, Ryan said he can hear it just fine. But can you hear it okay, though, Ryan? He can hear me. Can you say something, John? I see it's, he's saying it's clear, but I can't hear. I think blog talk is being stupid. That's what Ryan said. I agree. Okay, it's good there. So, see, everybody can hear it, but the blog talk part is so staticky, I can't. Let me try, let me, can I, can I take, oh, I can't even unmute your mic. It won't let me do nothing. Let's see if it echoes. Yeah, I hear you now. Is it? Yeah, see, David Flower says he couldn't hear you. Can you hear him now? With an echo. It, it, it sucks. I still can't hear you. I might have to. I might have to just keep you on like the phone itself and pull you off of StreamYard and see what that does. Yeah, John Savage is saying there's an echo. Yeah. 
No, is it still echoing, y'all? I'm really trying. I hate this. I know. Thank God you're patient. David Flower says that you're echoing, but I'm not. Well, well, that's fair. I can't hear you at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I don't maybe the maybe spirits are playing with my stuff. Okay, John Savage is now saying it's all good, so whatever you just did, don't touch it. Are we good? Are, are we good? All right. Okay. All right, so we So can anyway, hear. I guess yes. I guess we'll be making a family trip out of this. So we got John Stevens, John Savage, David Flowers, myself, Ryan. Okay. So we have people that want to, we have all kinds of people that want to come. So we'll just have to figure out what day we're going to do that. Yeah, just let me know and we can make it work. we got to make sure we don't have anything else going on over there. Okay. Well, how much of a heads up do you need? Uh, a couple, you know, a couple weekends in advance would be nice. You know what I mean? Okay. Because yeah. okay. I know what's going on through the month of December, and I'm not sure about January yet. So. Okay. Well, I mean, we could even we could even do it as far as February if we needed to, because I know John specifically told me that he was going to be out of town one of these weekends, and I thought it was the 22nd. Matter of fact, I have to write that down right now before I get sidetracked. Get because my schedule gets so busy, I'll forget what everything. You guys will love it. I mean, I'm, we've had some crazy things happen there over the couple of years that I've been involved in Belgrove. Everything from doors opening to things moving across the floor, disembodied voices. I mean. It usually doesn't disappoint. So you, um, is it just now? Is there other people that give tours to you? Are you just? I mean, let me. Is Belgrove open like to the public during the day? How does that work? Yeah, they do. Uh, Wednesday through Sunday, they do uh, mansion tours where you can kind of come in and walk around and, and check out the house and get a history history tour. The ghost tours, mm-hmm. I usually do them. And if I'm not available or I can't do them for some reason, Tyler with COVID Paranormal will do them for me. Okay. So do they... So basically you just got to go online and and hit the link. Okay. But do they have it to where... Is it set up... So it's not set up like... Like if somebody wanted to go there and tour during the daytime, like Shirley Plantation, you could walk in there, pay them their money, and tour the grounds. No? Yeah, you can do that. It's only Wednesday through Sunday, though, for that. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Everybody's still telling me there's an echo. Damn echo. Yeah, he said he thought... He, Ryan said it sounded fine before, but now you're echoing, and I just, I don't know why. How about now? Because I was up on the phone there. 
All right, John Stevens or Ryan, what about now? He said, got my ear pierced yesterday. It hurts. Never hurt before out of all the other ones I have. Yes, there is an echo on John's side. I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to fix it. I don't know how else to do the technical difficulties, John Savage. Yeah, he's saying there's still an echo. I don't, I don't know how to fix it because I don't know what to do. By the time <laughs> we're working on it, I don't either. Guess we'll have to just deal with echoes because I don't know what else to do to fix it. Now Ryan is saying no echo there. Okay. So with Fredericksburg Paranormal, how many people are on your team with Fredericksburg? Uh, Gotcha. No, it's a, are, is it that? Are you are you tuning in with me through the earpod thingies? Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I mean, that might be it. I'm not sure. Because it's like you you're you you go off and on. It's like you're staticking in and out. How about that? All right, say. Yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be that. Don't fire me. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. Um, John Stevens said, "Great team, though." So, do y'all do private investigations too? Right. Go in. What type of equipment do y'all use? Depends on where you're at and how much the homeowners want to interact. 
Mm-hmm. If you've done private investigations, we know how tricky it can be with home runners. I mean, you, they called you in, and I want them to be involved, but it's, it's got to be somewhat of a controlled environment or you're never going to catch anything. Right. You know I mean? That's true. That makes sense. That makes sense. But that's true. I mean, you do learn different things from different places. And I I like watching other people investigate, too, because I learn a lot from just watching other people, you know, with their equipment and techniques that they use, too. Everybody has their own style of investigation. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. So I've learned a lot, you know, over the years doing it. Like I said, just watching other people, and I enjoy watching what other people use, different different types of techniques, different pieces of equipment. I met one lady from New Jersey. Let me see it. John Savage, he's so cute. I like John Savage because he is like a techie person. I met him at one of these places that we went to go investigate locally, and I had never, I, I don't think, I don't remember meeting him before, um, they may have been at a different event, and I didn't meet him, but he's always trying to figure out what the problem is technical. <laughs> yeah, he is out at Fort Monroe, um, and he said, I wonder if the echo is because the mic on the iPad is on and also the mic on the ear pod is still on. I I, I don't know. I, I see what you mean. I keep picking it up, but I just I just don't know where it's coming from. So, but yeah, he they live in Fort Monroe, him and his wife, and they're they're really nice. I had a good time investigating with them. I've heard good things about that. Yeah, very very. This uh, <laughs> we got caught up in a situation where this girl's car, her battery wouldn't start, and he did everything he could. The car wouldn't start, and he did everything humanly possible to make sure that car started. We had that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was coming back from an investigation out towards New Kent, and I got to one part of 
going towards West Point and all all my every light in the car came on everything and that has never happened in my in my car and um so I immediately pulled I immediately got to a friend's house because it was like one o'clock in the morning, you know, twelve, one o'clock and I immediately got to a friend of mine's house and um I ended up calling AAA to get a tow because I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew every light came on in the car. And I didn't want to take my chances. Well, when my mechanic looked at it the next day, he said there was nothing wrong with it and everything was fine. Oh, wow. I paid over a hundred dollars for a tow. Maybe you Yeah, it's just it. All the equipment, everything in the car, just like like I said, malfunctioned and lit up. And I'm like, seriously? And then my my mechanic was laughing at me because he goes, "That's what you get when you go to all these paranormal places. Your car malfunctions." And you know, they, he there was no explanation for it. Yeah, we all take a risk doing any of this kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 They don't want you to leave. Yeah. So they'll do everything they can not. To, don't. That's true. But John Savage, he said he's been investigating over thirty years and in three different countries. So. Yeah. He's got that old-timey piece of equipment, and now I can't think of the name of it, and it was really cool, and I snapped a picture of it. Put it in the comments so I can tell him what it is. It's like an EMF something. <laughs> but it was really cool. But it's oh, it's kind, it's kind like you're, you're, you had the recorder when we was at the um, Pearl. Yeah. Do you use that a lot when you do? Yeah, this is the natural tri-field meter from Alpha Labs, the natural tri-field meter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, I was on Crossroads last Thursday, and is it Kenny Biddle? I think I got that right. He's a skeptic. He had every piece of equipment you can think of to include a tri-field meter, like that old one that John Savage had at the investigation, because I showed him a picture of it on my phone, and I was like, do you have this piece of equipment since you got everything? And he was like, I happen to have two of them. And I was like, err. I have quite a bit of stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
right. That's cool. I haven't. I always get my custom-made stuff from pe other people. Some people are real good with electronics, and they can make their own stuff. I'm not one of those people. Like um, last last week on Crossroads, uh, um, Kenny sent me a link for. I guess it was an EMF meter. I'm not sure, but it was like one that you get in a kit and you put together yourself. And I'm sitting over here thinking to myself, okay, I can see me messing this one up because I'm not really a soldering person. <laughs> yeah, my buddy Dan Porter, Supernatural Adventure, he's making gear now too. He's doing that. Um, he's got a yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have patience for that. I would break it, I think. Mm-hmm. So how are we sounding on y'all's end? Is it still echoey? I'm just curious because I hear static. I know John Savage is watching. He'll answer. Yeah, I still, I still hear some static somewhere. I'm wondering if you cut... I'm wondering if you cut the mic back off on the iPad, yeah, and use it through the and use it through the ear pods to see what that does. Because he's saying you're still echoing. Really? Yeah. Let's try again. It's not that I'm hanging up on you, damn it. <laughs> Where'd it go? My feed. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah. What about now, y'all? Is there still an echo? Any echo now? Oh, let me see. I get. See, I'm getting all these messages coming in. So it's not just. It's not under the just the comments. I'm getting text messages and Facebook messages. Yeah. Oh my God! Somebody said we sound like that. We're, that we're in the bottom of a cave somewhere. <laughs> like we're investigating a cave. I know. See, I can hear you better now, and it's not as staticky. How's it now, David Flowers? Asking all these people. Hello. I'll be at the uh, Manor House this week. Yeah, I'd like to go there one time. It's fun. I have a good time every time I go there. I just like it because the um, camping. Yeah. What is his name? David Flowers has to remind me every time. Mr. Oh, he said your voice is on delay. Okay. Figures. Is it Mr. Tolliver? He he knows me. Tolliver, yeah. That, that's why I like going there because Mr. Tolliver, the spirit that's in there, like, he, he knows me every time I go there. So I I feel privileged. <laughs> so that's why I want to go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Williamsburg is an awesome place. I mean, I've never been able to investigate there. 
it's fun though. You should go out and try because DC um, um, O'Rourke does a good job on his tours, and um, David Flowers does a good job on his tours. So they're just really neat tours to go on. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Check it out. So you should make it out one time and, and go to theirs. But we're definitely coming out to where you're at. So that's that's like a people can stay there too. Bed and breakfast, isn't it? Yes, there's four rooms for right there, and bed and breakfast. So there's four rooms available. So if you're driving long distance and you want to spend the night, you can still need to go spend that away. Got you. Brandon John, Brandon said the echo in John's voice echoing off the mountain of all of his ghost hunting gear. <laughs> well, I can't help the echoing at this point. I don't know what else to do. I've tried. Yeah, I don't either. I think I'll just in the in the future when I'm doing these, I'll just have the person call in, which kind of sucks because I just I don't know how else to fix it. So for people that are technical out there, you might want to you know try to tell me what to do because I I don't know what else to do. Everything is cut down. I mean, you have to have the I know you have to have the I got to have the phone. I got to have a separate phone to call into the switchboard of Blog Talk, so it's I don't know what else to how else to fix anything. Yeah, so it's it like it goes in and out. So I don't know. I just I hate the um, echo part of it because I feel like I'm like I said in a in Europe somewhere calling. Yeah. Do you ever like with what's one of your favorite places that you'd like to investigate or one of the most favorite places that you've went to to investigate? Oh man. Uh, St. Albans, of course. Uh, and Wildwood Sanitarium in Salamanca, New York. That's a very cool location. Yeah, I haven't been to any of those places yet. I can I can name places that I've been to. I haven't been to any of these big places where people have been to yet. Well, I finally got it. It makes you feel better. I finally got to St. Albans last year for the first time. Yeah, Belgrove will be my next big bucket list place. There you go. Yeah. Well, so... Um, we went to a bunch of places this year, though. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Ken Rikus was pretty cool. I mean, that was my first time being there. Yeah. Was a cool yeah, I haven't been there yet either. I know that John is coming on um, Ryan's show tonight, and they're going to be talking about Pocahontas with Holly Mullins. 
but I haven't been there either, and I passed it just like I've passed Belgrove. I know I have. I, I believe I have passed it a couple of times and just never paid attention to what it was. I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've passed it a couple times and just didn't, like I said, realize. But there's a lot of places out there that I've passed and, you know, didn't realize there was paranormal stuff there or that they had any type of tours or anything going on there. I think we're, yeah, I think we're okay. Yeah. Always uh, something. So, it, with with your investigations, have you ever? Which is going to be a weird. It's going to be a question that I ask a lot of people. Have you ever brought stuff home with you? Um, one time I think I did. We were in Gettysburg, and I was actually we were actually camping for the weekend. I wasn't doing anything paranormal, and at the campground, there was a cool story of a boy working around the hay wagon, working at the campground, and didn't think nothing of it. And the first night we were home, I seen something come up my steps and turn the car and go up the steps again. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, you know? And then the next night, my son said he heard things in his room. So I was like, uh oh, what I seen mm-hmm. when he was here. That's the only time that I... Right. Well, are you sensitive to, like, you know, you get people that are sensitive to spirit and stuff like that. Do you have those abilities, too? No, I have none of those. Nope. Just an investigator. Gotcha. So what got you into doing that? Did you, um, how long have you been with, or how, did you establish Fredericksburg Paranormal then? That's cool. So, 
said, you never know what's going to happen. You never know where it's going to go. I mean, I never thought in 12 years, like it's been, that it would be to this point that I would get to go to stay at places that not everybody gets to go to. That's cool. Does your you have you have kids too, right? I mean, do any of them take an interest in what you do? I know mine don't, except for one. Yeah, I mean, uh, all of my kids, uh, Dawson, Alyssa, William, uh, even some kids in the neighborhood have went with me a couple of times. And my and Dawson and Alyssa, I guess they went. I think Dawson's went on two investigations with me, and Alyssa's been on. Do they ever go with you? Right. Well, mine are still young yet, but my oldest one, he's too busy doing other stuff, so he don't have time to... He's too busy inundated with his sports to do anything. So he's not gonna. Right. Yeah. Right. What's your favorite piece of equipment that you use when you go on the investigations? That's cool. What's one of the creepiest things you've ever encountered besides bread falling off the shelf for me and door slamming? Yeah, that would freak me out too, I think. Considered that a portal house anyway, because it had so much stuff in it. 
So, you know, just different experiences like that. But I'm looking forward to when we get the chance to go to Bell Grove because I've heard so much about it, and John Stevens talks about it all the time. Yeah, John's been with, over there with me a couple times. I like John. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he has a good time when it goes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. We have a, we've had a good time every time he came over there. We've captured some good evidence. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's always talking about. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's not like it's that far from. Yeah, I'm sure y'all do get people from everywhere, don't you? That's cool. That's cool. So y'all do more than, have y'all had weddings there too? Uh, yeah, there was a wedding there. That's cool. Trying to see. Brian is so funny. Well, I don't even think Brian's still on with me. He said, tell John to say something, but you've been talking all this time. Yeah, it's like when we talk, it goes in and out, in and out. So I don't know. Maybe, like I said, spirit is messing with stuff. Who knows? I am burning a conjuring candle. That could be part of the problem because it's still lit for some reason. I've been doing some root work to help somebody else, so that that might be it. Who knows? I hate technical stuff. Yep. See, now I can hear you when you, when you said that. Oh, that's good. Oh, my sister is like, I still can't hear him. I'm like, what? I don't know what else to do. I don't, I don't either. I don't know. It's sucking. I think what I'll do in the future is, like I said, go back to, um, I'll just do my my stuff on StreamYard and then have the person just call into the number because I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to do to fix anything. I just, I don't know how to fix it. I'm still new to, new to using StreamYard, so I don't. I've used it. Yeah, I mean, I like. I mean, I like what I use of it so far because I like the fact that I can like load th- stuff. It'll go into my YouTube channel and it'll automatically go to my Vibe Time with Jerry page. So, I mean, it has the benefits to it. I just don't know how to. If I uh, if I mute the mic here, then people are not going to be able to hear me on Facebook Live. So I don't I don't know how to do it. Well, you know. Poor Ryan. <laughs> Ryan's laughing at me. What's wrong? What do you think's wrong? <laughs> He's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, well. 
Yeah, it'll be all right. So are, do you have any upcoming places that you're going to be investigating at? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be Jan- January 8th in North Carolina. Where's that at? Because I don't know. Oh, Wilmington. Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice place to be at. Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, we're going with Covert Paranormal, Supernatural Lost Adventures, and the Custodian Ghost Hunter, and RVA Well, that's cool. Is that going to be after, you said after the year, so that's January 8th that y'all are going to do that? Yeah. yeah. We've, got all, we've got quite a bit of things lined up for next year already. Well, that's cool. Do y'all have a website, too? Yeah, I have a website. Yeah, I have a website. Fred-PRI.com. Ryan's like, it's probably just... You listen, when we... Do you have a website? Okay. Yeah, you'll have to type it in the comments so people will know it. Do y'all, have, y'all but y'all have a page too, don't you? Yeah, I have Facebook, Twitter. Is it the Fredericksburg what is it, Fredericksburg Paranormal? Yeah. Research and investigation. So if you Let's hit see. the page you'll see uh, you can get my website from there. Okay, I'm looking. If I can learn how to spell Fredericksburg, it'd be okay. Yeah, I'm getting there. My spelling isn't the best. I'm I'm getting there. I'm a slow typer. Unfortunately. All right. I'm Google. I'm not Googling, but I'm okay. I see it. I thought I liked y'all's page. I did. I was going to say, okay. All right. So y'all, he's on. Um, he's got his own Facebook page, Frederick Fredericksburg Paranormal Research and Investigations. And then I saw. Wait a minute. The website is on there too. Is it the www. Fred. Are they putting those? Are they putting the dashes in there? Yeah, you gotta put the dash in there. For, okay, so it's www. Fred. Is that dot pre. dot com? Dash Okay. So that's cool. If y'all want that, if anybody in Fredericksburg. Yeah, in those areas. Because, like, I'm... Oh, um, John Savage had a question. It For the investigations, when you're doing the paranormal, I know that we have to go online and sign up and all, but what's the cost of that, Some, he was asking. Um, I think there's three options you can do. And you go from 25 to 50 bucks, I believe. Okay. There's an hour and a half tour. There's a four-hour tour as well, eight to twelve. And 
think she offers eight to ten, eight to ten thirty, something like that. So there's three different Johns you can choose. Yeah, I was going to say that when I looked on it, there were three John Savage. There's three different, there's three different tours, and you have to sign up through their, um, through their link. So they have different, different options. And if you want to stay, you can stay there. You just have to go to their website because he John John Sullivan he just does the um, like the tours part. He don't set up the booking and stuff like that. Did I, do I have that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Michelle is the one who does all the booking and stuff for that. Yeah, we just show up. So that was trying to see if there's... Fredericksburg, though, I mean, I know they got Belgrove Plantation, but are there other places there that they consider paranormal? Yeah, because I'm I'm not I don't the only time I've been to Fredericksburg is when I go like to the historical part of it. I've never you know I don't I've never really stepped foot outside of that. I've investigated the library downtown, the stores downtown, and um, of course everybody wants to do all the historical locations, but I have yet to be in any of those. They're kind of like Williamsburg in a way. They won't let a whole lot of people in. You know, right. Right. But I try. Yeah, because Williamsburg, you got to go there kind of. Like when I when I run equipment in Williamsburg, I go there late. Like my girlfriend and I, Marjorie, we'll go there real late because if you go that during that during the daytime, there's so many groups there. There's so many kids there, tours, kindergarten classes, you know. So you can't really run equipment there. I'm sure it's like that in Fredericksburg. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I wish I wish a lot of places would embrace it more too, instead of just, you know, shunning it so much, or just looking at it as so as taboo. But I guess sometimes you get groups or people or whatever. Sometimes people ruin it for other people too, and that's really sad. Yeah where they just ruined it for everybody else. Matthews is like that. Old House Woods is like that. Everywhere you go, there's no trespassing signs, but that's because other people have been in there, went running in the woods when you you really shouldn't have, and they just ruined it. So now all these trust, no trespassing signs are out, and you've got to pretty much stay on the road um, when you investigate there. Well, you got to go about it the right way. I mean, if you're if you're a proper team and you're trying to investigate a location, you got to take the steps and do it correctly. Right, right. And I don't, I don't think I think some people do that, and some some teams don't. You know, not bad mouthing anybody. I'm just saying some places don't. Yeah, you're and right. I, I mean, and some um, place, some people provoke spirit very disrespectfully too, which is something I've never, I've never agreed with. Well, you know. I mean, everybody's got their own 
Anybody can go buy gear, but you need somewhere to go to investigate with the gear. Right. So, it took me a long time to to get out there, I guess you can say, where I can, where people actually email me and call me now, which is kind of nice, because I don't have to go worrying the crap out of people about Right. 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 Just think of the places that haven't, all the places that haven't been investigated yet, and there's a lot of them out there. Oh, a lot. Well, I know, like in our areas, Urbana, Urbana is pretty much untouched. You know, so I'm, I've been running equipment out there. It's been a little bit cold lately, but um, a friend of mine, we run equipment out there. We finally got permission from the town to be able to do that because they're very, very picky on, I mean, it's a small town of 458 people. When they see people standing on the side of the road, you know, or on the sidewalk in town at 11, 12 o'clock at night, they're they're going to think that we're breaking into a building. So we had to get clearance from the town in order to, to you know, be able to run equipment to make people aware that that's what we're doing at nighttime. That's the right thing to do. So yeah. Doing that could lead to yeah. Yeah, and they call the sheriff's department to let them know ahead of time. So then that way they're not thinking that we're trying to, you know, break into a store or if we're sitting in the back of our museum parking lot running equipment. And we've gotten some really good EVPs and really good responses back there. So, but that's the untouched places. And I'm sure there's a lot more places, you know, that are just nobody's been to yet. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like going to places that not everybody has been, you know. But even though we do some of the other locations that everybody does, I like to do. I try to be. I try to be a little different than everybody else. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. So, but that's cool. And um, there's places in Gloucester too, which is another you know another county over that I'm sure. They've got a lot of, it's the history part of everything. Yeah, if you can get into a location like, like Urbana, I mean, that's a big door to open. Then you can, I mean, that'll lead to other things. You, know, you might go do a public event there. Yeah. Do a fundraiser, raise some money for something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what, yeah, that's what makes it nice out there is that, you know, there's we have a town museum that they're trying to preserve that we could easily do an event for and raise money specifically for that because it is the last standing Scottish Factor store or it's considered one of the last standing Scottish Factor stores. It's perfectly intact. So they're doing everything they can, you know, to preserve that particular building. And they, people just don't understand the, you know, the stuff that fundraisers and things like that to help preserve stuff like that. I mean, every little bit of money helps with that. We, we, do, we do some fundraisers. We did one in, yeah. in this past summer. That was a fun time. We had 40, 
forty something people show up for that. It was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So you know, stuff is out there. You know, yeah. so. I'm always searching. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm always looking for places, but like I said, I got lucky with our band. It took a few years because of our mayor, our previous mayor. Not that she was rude or anything. She just didn't. She didn't believe in the paranormal, and that's okay. She did, but she didn't believe in um, paranormal investigations. She knew that it existed. Let me rephrase that. She had an open mind to that it existed, but she did not agree with investigating it. So a lot of people think that's going to stir up things and open doors. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I look at it as an opportunity for that person or that place to make some cash if they want. You know? Yeah, you know, I just think it's to raise money for your building. Yeah, yeah. That'd be the perfect way. Right, Cerise? I know she's watching. <laughs> she lives in town. <laughs> so, you know, it'd be per- it's the perfect. <laughs> it's the perfect thing. But anyway, I guess I've got to get ready to wrap it up because I've got Hot Ryan, I've got John coming on, and... Holly Mullins is coming on to their show, and and I cut into his time all the time, and I try so hard not to cut into it. <laughs> you know, and I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties. I'll have to get. I'll, I want you to come back on when I get my crap, all my technical crap straight. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, what? Well, John, John Savage, real quick, he said that. A lot of TV shows have basically destroyed what paranormal investigations consist of. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You're right. Yeah, I do agree with that because a lot of people come in and they they're expecting something, and it doesn't always it doesn't always happen that way. So he put that he put down down that going to run around and act like kids. Yeah, fights, screaming, trespassing, breaking things. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. You never know. The part, one of the things I love about paranormal is you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You never know what you're up against. I always try to, when I go into things, be prepared because you just don't know. You know, we didn't, the other night with Vanessa Hogel, we didn't know. I didn't know what she was doing when she had that, that very weird laugh that's on actually Facebook Live. I mean, I, I, it didn't sound right to me. So when I, when I looked over at her, I'm like, what are you laughing at? I didn't realize what, that she was channeling because I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. I don't use myself as a conduit like that. I used to, but I don't anymore. Once I got my vertigo, I've learned my lesson on quite a few things, and that was one of the things I've learned that I can't, I don't want to do. You know, um, so yeah, it was pretty interesting. (laughs) There comes all the static. All right, well, I've got 22 seconds left, so I really appreciate you taking your time out of your schedule to come on my show. Yes, you all see the card. Thank you for having me on. 
Yes, and I'm sorry about all our technical difficulties. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, well, you have a great night. Thank you. Bye.
Hello, all you freaks out there. This is Ryan. And this is Holly. Whoa, what is this? Yo, a sense of deja vu here. And we've got Kimmy hanging out with us, too. We have got... Hey, Kimmy! Hanging out with two lovely ladies tonight. And we are talking about another another lovely lady. What I hear. We're going... uh. Taking a taking a side trip, paranormal, and we're going to learn a little history tonight um, about one of probably is it America's first folk legend or heroine, Pocahontas. How exciting! This is going to I'm be. I'm super excited about this. Um, yeah, it's uh, you've got uh, John Pagano. He is like the head historian over at Henricus Park um, here in Virginia. I believe it's in Chester, Virginia. And uh, he's got some great stories. He actually wrote a book on Pocahontas. We'll get him to talk about that tonight. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, by default, this is actually the Freaking Awesome Show Christmas special because we're not going to be here next week. Oh, we're not? No, we'll be at, we're going to go to Bush Gardens. Oh. We're, going to, we're going to Christmas Town on uh, Tuesday. Oh. So that Christmas song was our... Our, our Christmas, our Christmas thing for the week, uh, but oh. uh, yeah. So you know, for, by default, well, that is our Christmas awesome. special. Nothing says Christmas <laughs> like Pocahontas. I'll tell you what, yeah. <laughs> a little, a month behind, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we had we we talked about Christmas carols and Christmas uh, traditions last week with um, Whitney, Whitney Zahar. So uh, we'll just count that as our Christmas uh, event. But we've got John on the line here waiting patiently in the queue. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, put him on the show, and we'll get this party started. Awesome. Hey, man. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Ryan. How's it going? I'm doing all right. We are doing just fine. Oh, thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Sure. Anytime. So uh, we want to, we were trying to learn more about Pocahontas, the person. Could you like explain to, explain to us like what life was like for like her, her, her younger days? Like, do, do we know more much about how, how it was when she was growing up? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, the the fact is, if she didn't ever meet the English, we wouldn't know really ever who she was, uh, because she was a um, a fairly insignificant character into her father's uh, domain, being perhaps the youngest child of dozens of brothers and sisters. So he um, he just kept Pocahontas around uh, around the time the English arrived, and that made her in contact with them and they recorded her and eventually married with her, which gave us the documentation for the last four years of her life, what she was like. Um, but we, we have a little sense of who she was as a Powhatan uh, because we kind of have a sense of what Powhatan girls were like. Uh, but until she encounters the English, we don't really have any specification about her life. Uh, so that's, 
that's pretty much how, how it breaks down. Uh, if you, if you're in a culture without a written language, the storyteller tradition is going to continue with the primary mm-hmm. people of that community. Uh, and Pocahontas wasn't one of them until she bumped into the English. What kind of man was Let's her father? Say. Sorry? So what kind of man was her father? Well, you know, her father's a pretty interesting guy. He, he takes over the communities that we'll know as, as the Palatin uh, nation, for lack of a better term. But the Palatin people are going to be led by him, you know, for probably almost a half a century at the time the English arrived. And he presumably took over his domain when he was a teenager. And at the time he was taking over, the Spanish had set up some missions and some outposts in Virginia, and they disappeared around that time. And after the Spanish were not any longer in Virginia, the Powhatans presumably grew in strength and size. Uh, From what we know, he ruled like any other monarch. You know, he would be friendly and entreat you if you wanted to join in his uh, his kingdom of sorts. You were not cooperating. He would send his forces against you and make you an offer you would often not be able to refuse. And sometimes he was very pragmatic. But at the time of 1607, he established a chiefdom the size of modern-day Rhode Island with about 25,000 or so uh, people in his community. Uh, so he obviously, to last 50 years or more in power and to grow his community, he was obviously an effective leader. I would definitely say so. <laughs> it interests me so much. Like, hey, John, I'm Holly, by the way. <laughs> Hey, how's it interests going? me so much because <laughs> – sorry, Ryan, go ahead. No, you're fine. I didn't say anything. Oh, sorry, John. I don't know who I'm talking to, Lord. I'll be talking everywhere. <laughs> All right. So uh, what I'm going to say is it's so interesting to me because I'm not a historian. I'm just – some people are just made for that stuff, and obviously you are. You know your stuff. I don't know anything. But I am huge on my ancestry. Um, walking a shamanic path, I have found my way through my ancestry on different ways and paths. And I just recently found out that Pocahontas is my 10th great-grandmother. So Ryan's like, what? what? That's crazy. So once you come on to the show. So this interests me very much so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um yeah, you know, we, we occasionally, I occasionally bump into people who are uh, a bloodline, and it's always fascinating how they tra- track themselves back to, uh, you know, the Rolf uh, family. And, you know, sometimes you meet somebody who will say, I'm related to John Rolf, and then sometimes you'll meet people who will say, I'm related to Pocahontas. Right, kind of yeah. I'm actually related to Pocahontas. Her sister, okay, so Pocahontas was my, I might have said it so backwards, but anyway, Pocahontas was my 11th, sorry, 10th great, 
grandmother and her sister, which, Lord, help me, they might have called her Cleopatra at one time. Um, she was my 10th great-grandmother. So all cool, right. too, that Ryan mentioned all this about Hen- Henrikus is that that I'm so curious now. I never thought I would be, but as much as I've been out through there and in some of these very historic locations, I'm not paying attention to it. And now that I've dove so deep into my DNA, I actually have a lot of family from the Henrikus area, so that's interesting. Right. Yeah, well, it, you know, with me and my line of work, I usually ask um, people, you know, Often it's what questions do people have about Pocahontas or her life? And I know Ryan asked, you know, who who would she have been? And, you know, all I can do is paint a bit of a picture from what we know mm-hmm. about Powhatan women and uh, what they did in their, their right. youth. And uh, the thing with me, uh, my staff, uh, we, we have a really good sense of what it was like for any Powhatans to grow up. Um, so when people ask us questions, you know, we, we want to go as specific or as deep as people want to go. And sometimes in my work, um, you know, people, I don't know, sometimes they can't handle how deep, uh, we, we go. Um, I don't know if it's because they, it, it busts their preconceived notions, but then half the times the things that come out of my mouth and then I'm demonstrating for people about her, uh, everybody kind of goes, Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it takes them a while to kind of, kind of get there. So. Uh, yeah. Cause I imagine that the way that Pocahontas's life was painted is quite different than what you're going to tell us. Yeah. Oftentimes what happens is, you know, when I work at Henricus, I'm in the buildings, I'm presenting on Pocahontas. I have, a, I have an environment around me that helps tell the story. Um, you know, but often what happens is I have things in there that allows people to kind of get a sense. So one of the things that I used to do is I used to give people a, a tiny little uh, bone and I would say, all right, I want you to imagine you're Pocahontas and you're uh, 13 years old and this little bone is going to start pricking holes in your your face so that you can start to put tattoos across your face. And it takes, I don't know, a few hundred tattoos to get some really good artwork on your face. And how many of you could handle having a bone spike tapped into your face just once. Right. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um so you know, things like that that people um would lose track that Pocahontas was would have been tattooed on her face, her body, uh, all those things, you know, the the idea that she is probably not gonna look like any image that you've seen before. Um, right. A lot of those those things are are what people get caught off by. Uh, probably the biggest thing that I think people are are not sure about is that she was married when she was fourteen to Kokoum, who was a Pata Womack warrior, and 
people lose track of that before she marries John Rolfe. Gotcha. I found it, it's just, um, you know, you talking about how you guys are just putting together the pieces of this. It has to be so, so fulfilling to be able to find new history. Are they continuing to find new artifacts or anything connected to um, the Palatins in that area? I mean, there's, there's always going to be a new archaeology. You know, it's just a matter of which generation has it. And for the most recent generation, um, you know, it was the Palatine capital, which is Weramakomako. And that archaeology basically uncovered the Palatine capital. And, you know, again, the Palatine capital is where Pocahontas meets Captain John Smith. It's, it's where the beginning of um, the crucial events that take place, not just in Pocahontas' life, but the emergence of the English amongst the Palatins and then the decline of the Palatins amongst the English. Uh, so where Macomico is one of those places that uh, the Park Service has, but it's in partnership with the tribes. So they're trying to find a way to get it open for everybody to go there and when that happens, there'll probably be a lot more tourism into the areas that Pocahontas lived uh, more than there is right now. Just because right now it's mostly the tribal domains. And so if where Macomico opens up, yeah, you can go and walk her footsteps there. But one of the few places that you can go to her footsteps is Jamestown and Henricus. So can you talk cool. about like – like the the counter that she had with John Smith, what led up to it? What like what the history books got right? What the history books got wrong? And uh, yeah, sure, yeah. The well, you know, Captain John Smith becomes the first historian of Virginia, right? We and that that's something that's lost on people is that you know there's no reason why he had to become the historian of Virginia, but he chose to. And so he wrote out all these um, occurrences in his general history of Virginia. Uh, so, and according to him and according to some of his contemporaries, uh, what, what took place was that Ben Smith is basically going out and mapping the waterways. And he is basically down by modern-day Bottoms Bridge, uh, east of Richmond, when the, the guys he's with get ambushed, attacked, and all killed except for him. And he's the last man standing and goes down, taking out a few Powhatan warriors. Um, and true to a lot of Native uh, warrior custom, they, they don't kill everybody. A lot of times they'll take a prisoner. And what they do with the prisoner is usually up to the leader. Sometimes they'll execute the prisoner in front of their own people to show dominance. Sometimes they'll question the prisoner. Sometimes they'll let the prisoner go. Sometimes they'll adopt the prisoner. Um, so Powhatan, he, of course, is left with the decision of what do I do with this Englishman? And the way to look at this is if you are a Powhatan, you, you cannot 
understand a word of English, and neither do any of your people. So if you are concerned that all the English are like Captain John Smith, you can torture John Smith, but you don't understand a word he says, so why bother torturing him? So what you're left with is how do I get information out of this Englishman that I'm deciding to spare? Well, we know Pocahontas is around. We know she's somehow involved. And she probably had her father's ear because she was there. And maybe it was her idea. Maybe it was his idea. But ultimately, Pocahontas is going to become a chaperone to Captain Smith when it's made clear that he's going to be kept alive. And if you, if you look at it, it's a pretty easy thing to kind of uh, put together. Pocahontas chaperones Smith. She's uh, uh, almost 12 years old, so she's pretty young, pretty healthy. And she's going to learn his words pretty quick. So her father is going to give her that job. Hey, hang out with Smith and get to know him. And maybe we'll learn some things about the English and learn some of their words. And the way I usually, I usually kind of put this out there for most people is I want you to imagine today our special forces capturing some really bad dude, some, you know, ISIS or Taliban war captain, right? Killed some of our people. We, we captured him, brought him in for questioning. And we don't really have an idea what he's saying. So what we do is we go to the local fifth grade and we find one of the brightest fifth grade girls we can get. And we assign the fifth grade girl to hang out with this Taliban war leader so she can help us gain information. That's the equivalent of Pocahontas's first moments amongst the English is the fact that she got to hang out with a man who had just killed some of her Powhatan people. Oh, yeah. You know, I would also compare that to, um, which I do a lot of, especially the Native American beliefs in America, too, is um, the movie Avatar, you know, how they had to really get to know the people and to know their language and vice versa. I think that's um, it's smart, but, my God, you think of right now, like, putting a 12-year-old in a situation like that. That's crazy. Sure. Yeah, yeah and that's... It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and so I always say that that that's the beginning. That's Pocahontas's introduction to what would be the you know the final chapter of her life, which is you get to be friends with Captain John Smith. And um, oh, and by the way, if you don't learn the language soon enough, it could lead to the destruction of our people. What was the relationship like between John Smith and Pocahontas? Well, you know, it's, it's not lost on John Smith that in 16, you know, in 1616, going into 1617 in England, when 
he encounters her as Rebecca Rolfe in a party at Cyan Palace, you know, just happens to bump into her and tears him one because she called him out on the fact that nobody told her since uh, his wounding in Virginia and he left Virginia that he did not tell her that he survived his wound and nobody in the Virginia company was told to tell her that he survived his wound and she was left to suffer under the thought that he was dead until just out of the blue at a party in England, she just happens to bump into him. And there was a huge emotional encounter in a, in the gardens there at Science house. And I think that's Imagine bumping into someone's always dead. <laughs> oh, man. I bet she so, was like, you son of a bitch. So when you read Smith's, uh, Smith's account of that, it's clear that her emotions were for several years. Um, so usually what I do is I, I fall back on, on the very simple answer. Um, and Smith was around 30 and she was around 12. Um, what it was was probably um, a very older brother um, maybe half crush type of relationship between the two. Um, and, you know, there's no indication that Smith romanced her. There's no, there's no reason for that. Um, but I think that it was very, it was very close. And yeah. the emotions, the emotions of that encounter made it clear that she was hurt more than, any other any other observation the English ever made of her, that was the one that told us that something was different between her and John Smith. Yeah, well, you imagine a 12-year-old girl, um, and especially back in that time, I mean, that has to be very impressionable on them. And we as women tend to to be swayed toward you know, an older man figure, and if he was around her and showing her emotional support, I'm sure she wasn't used to that being from from a tribe of Native Americans that really, you know, it wasn't really about your feelings, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a part of the story that I think it's lost on a lot of people, is that even with the the English and how um, there is societal codes with women. There is no doubt that uh, amongst the English, Pocahontas would have much more uh, freedom in her choices. Uh, and yeah. if not her choices, her influence would have been much greater in her dealings uh, living amongst the English than it ever would have been with her father in the Palatine. Absolutely, yeah. So how how would that have impacted a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old, you know, going into the tw- her 21st year? Um, but her years that she is going to be introduced to the English and then Mary Wolf, she's 15 and 16. And I always say, imagine a 15 and 16-year-old and imagine – 
what if given the choices between going back to your people and being, well, just one of three or four dozen brothers and sisters, or I could be with the English and be considered uh, a celebrity Special. of sorts. Yeah. Which do I want to do? <laughs> yeah, hands down, the choice would be obvious to that. So then the next part of that equation is a big one. And this is a big one. Getting back, getting back to your, your original questions about Powhatan. You don't get to run a kingdom the, the size of Rhode Island or so for a half a century without being a shrewd man. And what we yeah. just talked you can't tell me that her father Powhatan didn't understand that reality. And if he understood the reality that she's going to be treated a certain way amongst the English, that he did not himself start steering the ship for those things, that he manipulated the fact that all these events would fall into place the way he wanted them to. Oh, touche. Nice. What's a good thought? Well, do no. like this. You know, if if you're Powhatan and you've had trouble with your daughter and everyone asks, well, what did she do? Why was she uh, having bad times with her dad? Well, when she's 13, well, actually when she's 12, she warns Captain John Smith of an, of an impending attack by her father's uh, tribal warriors. And she said to Smith with tears in her eyes if her father would find out he warned, she'd warn him that her father would have her killed. And right. that, that was the first time she committed an offense like that. And then the second time, she was 13 years old, and she stole an English captive from her father that her father pretty much uh, cherished, probably as much as he cherished someone in his own uh, household. And that was English boy Henry Spellman, who was also 13. And according to Captain Smith, Pocahontas took Henry Spellman, who was acting as a translator, in captivity with Palatin. And she stole him in the middle of the night and took him two days' journey away from her father. Her father was livid. Palatin was livid about that. And the next thing we know, a year later, Pocahontas is married into the tribe that she took this, this boy, Henry Spellman, to. And it's more than likely that her father forced that community, the Potawomax, to take Pocahontas in. And since that moment, Pocahontas would never be allowed to see her father ever again. The last time she asked before she married Rolf. Wow. See, it's so... <laughs> I guess you could say it's so Disney-fied because that's what it is. So everybody has this very tainted, which that's a lot. I mean, even bedtime stories, they really took those and uh, made them less scary for people and kids and things. And same with Pocahontas. There's just so much material out there that you read as a kid, and especially a, a girl growing up with Pocahontas, people looking up to Pocahontas as a, a heroine and um, looking up to her as so many different things. So, in your eyes, as a historian, what makes her different? Is it the fact that, oh, it was actually documented? 
or is it the fact that she really changed, you know, a effect of things that were going around on around her besides saving the two of? Sure. You know, I, I always use another familiar name, Sacagawea, right? If yes. Lewis and Clark did not encounter her, we would never have known her in American history. Um, and when we come back to Pocahontas, you know, there's, there's three, there's what was her father thinking? What was her English uh, handlers thinking? And what was Pocahontas thinking? And the English recorded what they believed Palatin was thinking. And they, of course, recorded what they thought at the moment, what they were thinking. We just don't have Pocahontas' written records. We just don't know, right? Um, yeah. So all, all, all we can mm-hmm. look at is all we can look at is what happens after the fact, right? What happens after yeah. the events go down? And usually, the way I give this to people is: Did you did you ever hear of? Uh, Palatin sending a thousand warriors to rescue his daughter. No. Do you ever Wrong. hear? Do you ever hear a group of warriors yeah. from her husband, Kokuum, coming to rescue his daughter or his uh, wife? No, Kokuum did not come to rescue his wife. Why yeah. did they not come to rescue Pocahontas? And the answer is because Palatin wanted her exactly where she was, with the English, and mm-hmm. if. Pope if Pocahontas understands the fact that she's been left to the English, which she probably did, there's, that means that she was adhering to what her father wanted to take place. So she was being loyal to her father as best she could. I, and people ask me, well, why didn't she run away? I'm like, well, where's she going to go? Is she, right. she going to run away? If her father wants her there, she runs away, she's disobeying her father, and she's probably going to be put to death. Yeah. So to be good with her father, she's got to stay. And so then if she's staying, now she has the double stress of how do I be good to the English? And that means she's got to convert. That means she's got to answer the request of her English uh, handlers, Sir Thomas Dale, Reverend Whitaker, eventually John Wolf. And what happens is she, she basically goes through the process of transforming to being English, which is not easy. And intellectually, physically, um, emotionally, all those stressors that she goes through to become English. And so the English will benefit. In the end, she's going to marry Wolf and we all know the English are going to be doing better after that. Palatin's going to be doing – everyone does better after the marriage to John Wolf. Palatin gets huh. the trade goods. Palatin gets an alliance without looking weak. Palatin is going to have stability in his later years leading his people. And the English get themselves traction going in Virginia, uh, an alliance with Palatin. So it makes them stronger if the Spanish come up from Florida. Um, everybody benefits in the end for him. But how come? Yeah, that's that's not that's being sold out to me. I mean, that's you know that's 
here, take my daughter, you know. This is what the plan is. Uh, that's just so wrong. So, so, so basically everybody's using her for some game. Yeah. And so people ask me all the time, you know, they ask me, like, John, man, you're like, you're like an extra Pocahontas, so tell me what she was thinking. What is she feeling? I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't there. But yeah. But I have one hint. I have one hint. And it's the only hint I give people because we don't have any written words from her. But I, the hint I give people is I say, what was her three names? You know, and people will say, well, there's Pocahontas. I'm like, yeah, that's one. Uh-huh. And Metoica, that was her formal name. Rebecca. Then there's Rebecca. And I, and I tell <laughs> people this. I say, look, I don't know how uh, spiritual, biblical, religious you are, but mm-hmm. the, hint, the hint might be in the name Rebecca. If Reverend right. Winter is getting Pocahontas to be literate, which is a part of her conversion, and she is in the beginning of Genesis, 40 pages in, she has made it through the story of Rebecca, which in the words of the Bible is a girl who gives up her own happiness. Her family wow. gives her up to a group of strangers to be taken away to another tribe to marry a stranger named Isaac. And if she marries Isaac, everybody will be happy. Well, yeah, that's, wow, that, uh, sounds that sounds a bit familiar there. <laughs> so if in fact she was she was as English said she accepted the Christian teachings and her baptism and she understood the story of Rebecca the great irony here is that the story of Rebecca and the story of giving yourself up for the greater good in the Bible is also a common facet of Powhatan culture which is to give up oneself for the greater good of the community, the tribe, or the chiefdom. So she was, in fact, doing good for both cultures at once under the idealism of Rebecca's story. Wow. Could you, uh, so, could you talk about the, like, the adjustment period for Pocahontas when she, got, when she was living with the, uh, with the colonists? Yeah, yeah. I, well, the one thing I always say is, imagine Pocahontas is finally understanding with the English. And now she has to convert, and you can't have a, a naked Powhatan woman walking around, so she's got to change her clothing. She's going to be eating English food and rations. She's going to be drinking English drinks. She's going to have to go to the bathroom like the English and sleep like the English. She's going to have to do her hair like the English. All these things now all going to have to take place. Um, she is going to go from wearing a half a pound of deer skin on a summer day to wearing four to six pounds of linen and wool on a summer day. She's going to shift from a native food diet, which would, which would be very heavy in uh, fish and lean game meats. Um, boiled cooked foods uh, such as corn, you know, uh, beans, squash, etc. What they eat. To what do the English eat with every meal? Well, that's easy. The English eat beer, 
bread and cheese as a staple with every meal. So if you can imagine her shifting to beer, bread, and English um, uh, cheese, think about that. The Indians don't have anything fermented or brewed. So no alcohol, and now she's shifting to that. Uh, The Powhatans don't have any dairy animals. Never have, never in America until the Europeans arrive. So she doesn't understand what lactose intolerance is. And that's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying that. Lord, that's bad. <laughs> right. Exactly, right? So, and she's a water drinker exclusively, and now she's going to shift to a culture that drinks nothing but light and stout beer in the day and night. Um, so her body physically is going to go through a, a bad change, a very bad change. Yeah. Um, her clothes are going to change her posture, including her shoes, uh, her corset called bodies in this time period. Uh, all of that is going to make her stand different and walk different. She's going to go from everything from blisters to uh, some back issues. I'm pretty certain of that. To the fact that she can't wear her hair down anymore. She's always got to have her hair up and covered uh, by a lip. Yeah. So, I, yeah, you, you can just go right down the list on all of those uh, physical changes. She was miserable. <laughs> well, That's about what it sounds like, right? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Um, so I have, a, yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it kind of hits back on, like, the history of the Powhatans and things like that and, and the history of Native American tribes altogether and Native tribes. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, we talk about how their history was not documented, right? The only way their history was documented was verbally. So let me ask you this. Do you guys, did you um, get any information that was handed down through the tribes, or is it something they didn't talk about? Um, the the tribe stuff on Pocahontas is inconsistent, and so oh. some 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 of the material some of the material you get is you know it ranges from very basic stuff like the pot that Womax um, Pocahontas was married into Coquim. They believe that Pocahontas's mother. I believe they mentioned that she might have been a pot to Womack. Um, you know the Mattapanai, the Pamunkey. They have uh, some grounding on, of course, um, Pocahontas being a child of Palatin and some of the things that might have entailed. But the reality is they lose her at 15 years old to the English, so it cuts off. Um, Yeah. So everything they do after that is all guesswork. Um, yeah, that's sad. That's so sad. I find it so sad because I actually been part of some Native circles, and their goal in Native American spiritualism is to teach the younger generations and even the generations that you know was Christianized and was, and that's all they've ever known through their family generational, and their history is told. Their true history and um, everything is told through their words, and I think that is sad to be lost. Well, you know, here's what I always say. Um, the oral traditions and the, you know, European uh, written word 
uh, both have pros and they both have cons, and they're somewhat similar. Yeah. Um, oral tradition, if you look at your own family, right, there's always some aunt or uncle or grandparent that knows everybody in the family, and they know all the stories. Yeah. And if somebody does not put a tape recorder down, down. Yep. Uh, or someone doesn't sit down and just absorb it all, then that stuff goes out the window at their death. Um, yeah. And also, some of that stuff tends to get a little convoluted over the years. Um, so if you go, if you wait too long, you don't get the truest form of it. Um, so right. the other kind of like playing telephone. Yes. And if you are written, if you're reading a written word of somebody um, like John Smith stuff, um, there are things there that are uh, either biased or omitted or um, in doubt. So there's always maybe some moments there where you're not sure if what is written is true. Um, so what you have to do is kind of, um, as I as I always say, writing stuff about Pocahontas, I'm trying to clone the goat here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of trying to fill in some of the DNA from parts yeah. that I'm guessing what the parts should look like. Um, and I think that's a large part of uh, history as you go back. You know, if you were just to look at Native history like Wounded Knee, right, um, which wasn't that long ago by comparison, you know, there's a lot of things that are written down. There's a lot of things that were passed down orally. And, and even, uh, you know, 130, 40 years later, you might be like, oh, man, I don't know if that sounds the same as, I, as what I thought I heard years ago. Uh, if you go back into this time period, you know, the first quarter of the 17th century, that's a long time. So um, a lot of us are making our best guesses is really what it comes down to. Yeah, we are. Mad we're getting close. We're getting close to the end of the show. We still have a few minutes left, but I want—I don't—I know we have a lot more to talk about. Um, but I, I want to learn more about the relationship between John Rolfe and Pocahontas. And can you talk about what led to her uh, ultimate, like demise, her death in England? Sure. Well, you know when Pocahontas was taken in in March of 1613 and then eventually brought to uh, to Henricus and Sir Thomas Dale and Reverend Whitaker. Um, Sir Thomas Dale wrote that all he worked on her was her Christian education. Uh, there was no reference until March of 1614 uh, about a possible marriage. So nobody was bringing up the idea of her marrying anybody until March of 1614. And everyone might ask me, well, what, what happened in March of 1614? So the English were kind of miffed that Pope Palatin did not finish the deal for his daughter. And they got word from him that if they wanted to finish the deal to come see him. And Sir Thomas Dale did that. He put Pocahontas, John Rolfe, a whole bunch of people on a ship, 150 men with armor and muskets, and sailed to the new Palatin capital. And there, the confrontation took place. And uh, there was about to be a huge bloodbath battle. And Pocahontas, who probably guided Dale's ship, 
she made a request that she wanted to talk to her father. Her father rejected that, that request. Her brothers came on board Dale's ship and spoke to Pocahontas. John Rolfe, he and another Englishman uh, interpreter went on shore and talked to Powhatan's uh, emissary. Now, I want you to now think about this. This is March of 1614. She is married to Rolfe in April of 1614, a month later. So Pocahontas is talking to her brothers. John Rolfe is speaking to Powhatan's representative. And one month later, John Rolfe and Pocahontas are married. What do you think was being discussed in those two separate conversations? Diana Chaz, and she was the... <laughs> Somebody was going to yeah. get married. Now, here's history. Yeah. history. The question is, who suggested it? And it, it didn't come up until that confrontation. So my, my guess is that Powhatan, Powhatan is the one that said, if you want to finish this deal for my daughter, you English are going to marry her. And the guy who made the choice to marry her was John Rolfe. And we know that from a seven-page letter he wrote, he wrote that month to Sir Thomas Dale requesting that he be the one that marries her. And in that letter, he said that he was going to take one for the team. And essentially, he said mm-hmm. that he did, he did feel love for her, but he also said that he wanted to, he could have, I'll use his words, any English woman more pleasing to the eye. So he didn't find her all that attractive, but he did feel that it was a good thing to do. Um, and, and that's what he did. Um, so they're going to marry in April of 1614, have a child a year later, and that's going to be Thomas Wolfe. Uh, they're going to go with Sir Thomas Dale back to England for nine months they're there. Uh, they meet King James and uh, Queen Anne. Uh, the encounter with John Smith took place. Uh, Pocahontas got to be in a portrait that you've all seen. Uh, that was the engraving by Simon Vandepath. And then in March of 1617, she is going to uh, get on board a ship and start to go to Virginia. And she dies about four days later in Graveston, England. Wow. Do we yeah. know what was that's what she day? died of? My my best guess, and I'm pretty confident, it was the bloody flux. So, because yeah. um, they wouldn't have put her on board the ship if she had anything weird to begin with. So when she got on yeah. there, and keep in mind, I'm going to throw a term at you, right? We know that she was brought out of London for better air because she was struggling with the air inside London. So she was pretty weak. And if you look at her portrait, she looks like she's pretty sickly looking. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. term that we see She was today, also a thick lady. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I had to put that in there. She was a thick lady like me. <laughs> so so uh, usually what I do is I use the term these days, uh, pre-existing condition. So she had a pre-existing condition of weariness, sickliness, 
And um, in the end, she had bad lungs because of the air in London, right? So she's not doing all that great, but she gets on that ship. And so the question is, what could have got her a day or so into the trip down the Thames? Um, and there's only a few diseases back then that can kill you that quick. And the one that comes to mind is the bloody flux. Um, so the bloody flux is uh, a virus. It is essentially uh, dysentery on steroids. Um, so her last days were probably suffering from an intense fever and bloody diarrhea for 48 or more hours. God. I mean, I, I, mean, I know what, what is, that's terrible. I would say to have diarrhea for like an hour, I feel like I'm going to like <laughs> die, but good God. That's crazy. That, that is terrible. Right. And so that's, that's, that's a good, a good guess what got her. Um, and of course they bury her under the church in Grace in England, the St. George church there. Um, but no one actually wrote down how she died. And my belief is the reason why they didn't write down how she died is because how she died was pretty, pretty terrible. Mm, yeah. And then you fast forward to all these centuries later where the story was totally misconstrued and fantasized and, you know, that, uh, but and there's a lot of pretty, stories like that out there. She had a pretty bad life. I mean, just think about it. Well, she, she was a pawn. She was a pawn, you know, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Now, tribally, if you're going back to the tribal era, that wasn't a big thing for them to marry off their daughters. I understand that part of it. However, you know, to the English people, you know, that that's a whole different ballgame. You're talking about the people who killed your own people, and that's scary in its own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I've heard you guys talk about, you know, is she the is she a heroine? Is she, you know, what what is she? And I know, to the English, uh, they are going to, you know, in the ninth by the nineteenth century, they have her in a lot of their history books as a great example of how the British Empire grew from Pocahontas' time period. Um, so they link her to the success of their empire. Um, wow. And if you compare that to Powhatan Empire, theirs did not grow. Theirs, you know, shrunk. Um, but there's a caveat to that. The Powhatans never, ever went away. If you look at a lot of other tribes in America, you don't find them anymore. Um, the Powhatans, a lot of their tribes are still in Virginia. And the reason why is probably because of the early relationships that were built between the Powhatans and the English, starting with her. Um, it's a very unique history in the history of America. And I think Virginians need to be aware that when you're discussing the Palatins in, in the colonies, um, it's not the same as when you're talking about other Indians and other groups. It's very unique. Uh, you, you probably know that if, you, if you're paying attention to the Virginia capital, uh, you're going to see you know, next year or the year after a group of Indians in deerskin bringing some deer and dropping it at the steps of the, the governor's mansion or the capitol. So they do that in America is <laughs> a tradition, right? But our tribes, yeah. are so, 
and they still do that because the Palatins are going to see themselves as honoring still their treaties they made with the governors of Virginia, which represented England at that time. And today the tribes still recognize that. And England today still considers the treaties they made with the Palatins valid law, despite the fact that we um, had independence from England. Um, so it's a very, in, you know, it's a very interesting history that way. And I find it fitting that the last leader of the Palatin people that signed a treaty with the English was a woman. And wow. And she will treat, sign the Treaty of Middle Plantation uh, towards the end of the uh, 17th century, which is going to forever um, link the government of Virginia to the government of the Powhatans as symbiotic. Wow, hey, that's man, awesome. We've got, we've got uh, less than a minute left here sure. um, yeah. on, on the show. Could you tell us where we can find you, um, like any information you want to, you want to talk about? Real quick. Yeah, sure. You can get me at Henrikus Historical Park at henrikus.org or my work email, which is uh, paganoj at chesterfield.gov. And what's the name of your book you have coming out? Sure. Uh, The book is called The English Pocahontas, 1613 to 1617, 